Hello and welcome to Series 3 of Taboo Talk. Wow, how are we on Series 3 already? Turns out that time really flies when you're chatting about everything from menstruation and masturbation to menopause. Anyway, I'm Vogue Williams, your host for this podcast from Boots that asks the taboo health and wellness questions so you don't have to. We're kicking off this brand new series with a really important subject that I'm sure will resonate with many of you, pre and postnatal anxiety and depression. Joining me today are two women who are no strangers to smashing stigmas and saying the unsayable. Entrepreneur and broadcaster Louisa Sisman and author, life coach and fellow podcaster Anna Williamson. Louisa and Anna actually co-host a weekly pod together called Luana which brilliantly describes its content as no holes barred which should immediately persuade you to tune in absolutely love it both Louisa and Anna have spoken openly about their experiences of pre and postnatal anxiety and depression and have campaigned for more open conversations around maternal mental health And just a note for our listeners, you're going to hear the term perinatal a few times. This word covers the whole time during pregnancy and up to a year after giving birth. Also, if you're affected by anything discussed in today's episode and would like some more information or support, please do contact your GP, health visitor or midwife. You can also visit the Boots Health Hub online where you can find an on-demand talking therapy via the support room service, as well as the options for depressions and anxiety support via the Boots online doctor. There are also resources in this episode's show notes. Right, let's crack on. Thank you both so much for appearing on the show. Anna, so you have two kids, yes? I do, yes. What age are they? Enzo's five uh, and Elle is two. Very cute, okay. They're in the bad books today though, because I'm really sleep deprived because both of them had me up in the night. So the um, five-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Well, he just falls a bit poorly. Oh, so no. you know, and it's like that cute, but wants a cuddle type. You know, uh, no. so yeah. I'm slightly sleep deprived today. It's, but, it's yeah. never cute past seven o'clock. No, so I stay <laughs> but I'm very, yeah, I, I stay in bed. But I'm very much in the trenches still with you. <laughs> yeah. uh, am I right in thinking that you have experienced perinatal anxiety as well as postnatal depression? I do go on an awful lot about my pre and postnatal mental health. But yeah, but I think it's good because it's good just to talk openly good and honestly chat. about it. It's good chat. It's good. She's it like, is good She's chat. like, here we go again. No, here she goes chat. again. No, you didn't, uh, you had psychosis. Yeah, it was, yeah, I mean, on, on a serious note, which it is a very serious topic. Yeah, so when I had Enzo, it was just a really rubbish birth. The pregnancy was actually quite a good medically you know physically it was a good pregnancy but yeah. basically I, I've I had generalized anxiety disorder diagnosed back in 2006 and I had I was on a low dose of medication and when I got mm. pregnant with Enzo I was uh, ill-informed by the GP at the time to come straight off it um, I was told you weren't allowed to take it right even now you take wow. it as well I used to take it no not anymore so I was on, um, and actually a lot, a lot of people always ask it. So they say, well, what, you know, what, what medication? So it was an SSRI, it was, it was an anti-anxiety drug. And I'd had some talking therapists as well. It was very well just managing a situation, you know, hadn't reared its ugly head uh, in years. But then I went to the GP and, I mean, it's never comforting, I don't think, that when a GP starts to bring out the, uh, the, book. the, yeah. Yeah, the book and the, the encyclopedia of, you know, from the British <laughs> Medical Council going, um, should you be on this or shouldn't you? And at the time, they weren't very clued up and and, I, and now I know that, that you, you really should ask if you are of, of that sort of nature like I was you should ask for a GP that has specifically trained in mental health so they understand it a lot more yeah. this GP hadn't they said come off the medication straight away so that whole pregnancy I kind of went back into free fall really with anxiety again were you but, just super I, anxious 
I was dreading birth. I was terrified of birth. What I thought were hormones, which maybe were, I don't really know. I think it's such a minefield, isn't it, sometimes in pregnancy? You're not sure what is what. But I was really swaying from, you know, massive mood swings and crying and not wanting the baby and not enjoying. I didn't enjoy the pregnancy at all, which is really hard when you are pregnant because, I mean, they're preggy now. And I don't know how you feel. It's so personal that sometimes if you're physically not enjoying it, I know, Lou, you'll come on to how you felt around being pregnant. Mm. You do. Obviously, you're grateful. Well, I say obviously. I was you very grateful. You have to be grateful that you're pregnant. It's so grateful. And you have and f- to say that yeah. out loud. But you can also exactly. feel terrible. Also feel ter- yeah. and, and I wasn't enjoying it. I didn't like my body changing. I felt this overwhelming pressure of being pregnant and having to deliver this baby. And this might sound really silly, but in my head, and whilst this anxiety disorder was just raging unchallenged all throughout the pregnancy... Every time someone kept saying, oh, you know, you, should, you know, you, should, oh, you must be so happy. And then all I kept thinking is, I've got to get this baby out. I'm terrified of how that's going to happen. Yeah. And I'm terrified of getting it wrong. I'm terrified of cocking it up because everybody is waiting with a flipping yeah. bunny rabbit and a this <laughs> for this baby. You know, so many people's rest of their lives are hinged on this baby. And really, and, they don't care. And they, yeah, no, but the grandparents do yeah. and everyone else. And they it, don't care after the first one. That's no. no, actually, you're so right. Oh, the second one, I don't think anyone saw her for two years. Um, so, yeah, it was, um, so it, it was undiagnosed. And the birth was was pretty horrific. And then after I'd had him, I recognised straight away that I just wasn't coping. I wasn't bonding with him. I was terrified of him. I didn't want to be left alone. It was when I started to halluc- I was hallucinating terribly. I was having intrusive thoughts of what would happen if he died. That's like a kind of anxiety, though, an intrusive is. thought. It's is really anxiety. common, yeah, and it's really, really common as well. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't feel able to cope with him. And and it was about like my husband used to go to work, and I would stand at the door, and I would time like a complete and utter madwoman how long it would take for him to get back from where I knew he was to get back to the door, and I would stand there with him, and the Aww. minute he'd come in. I would shove him straight at him and go, you need to deal with him, you need to deal with him. I was terrified of the baby, terrified of feeding him. You know, it was it was just a really horrible experience. And yeah, uh, 10 days postpartum, I was then diagnosed with both basically birth trauma, which comes under the big umbrella really of, well, mental health, postnatal anxiety. Yeah. I, was, I was saying to you both earlier that I was watching that Louis through about postnatal mm. stuff. And it's, it is quite frightening to realise how dark it can get for some women. But like if you mm. have a hard birth like that and if you have a difficult pregnancy, like you're kind of just expected to just yeah. get on be, with it. And if you're left on your own, so many women are left on their own. Yeah. And it's like you're just left on your own with a baby. It's incredibly lonely. So like, lonely. Yeah, yeah. It was the loneliest time of my life is having a newborn. Yeah. Because you, you kind of are just left like, oh, you feed the baby. And like you, you take two hours to feed the baby sometimes. And then like you have a little break, which might only be an hour mm. by the time you have yeah. to go and feed them again. But it's nuts really, isn't it? You know, this big report that came out this week as well, you know, big shocking reports around it. But I am, ever since I had Enzo, I have been really vocal about about the lack of postnatal care because I think for nine months everyone wafts around well if you're lucky you know you get your, your yeah. you know everyone cares about that pregnancy and you can have your appointments and you can pay for extra appointments privately yeah. if you want to as well and but then it seems and in my experience particularly first time you have the baby and then literally in that one moment oh and even they even said to me when I gave birth to him and that was it was a, a vaginal birth but via forceps but it was a very long labour and I had a hemorrhage and it was very it was awful I was exhausted yeah. but they did say 
say it really did come down to the fact of tick. Mother is alive, baby is alive, we move on to yeah. the next person in the queue. And there I was, as you say, girls, you know, stuck with this baby. My husband wasn't there because they chucked him out. Or again, yeah. why they don't allow birth partners to be more present, I don't know, yeah. afterwards. Because they could be helping the staff. Yeah, exactly. And I remember sitting there, as you say, with this baby, thinking, I don't even, I, I cannot even look after myself. Yeah. I'm terrified to go to the toilet because I don't know what's gone on down there. I don't know how to feed him. And it's the most lonely time, I think. And I think anyone that just gets stuck and left, I think, I mean, I don't want to get all political here, but I think a massive shake-up needs to be given to mothers. I mean, this is, our parents, our mums had 10 days postpartum mm. lying in. And I think that should be... A, they had what? They were yeah, they stay, in a hospital stay in hospital for 10 for days post-birth. Yeah. Yeah. God, you literally get To look after the mums. Yeah. Because yeah. you've just gone through probably mm. the biggest experience you'll go through. And I think I think it's really underestimated now how much we go through in birth. And then mentally and physically, it's a lot. Yeah. Did that happen with both of your pregnancies? No. By design, really? second time round. Well, I mean, Louisa will know all about this because she was very helpful in, uh, <laughs> in me. You know what Louisa's like? She's not backwards and coming forwards with an opinion. She's, Louisa's even sorted my life, life out. <laughs> I'm telling you now, everyone needs a Louisa in their life or just her because... Um, I'm very practical. You're very practical. I'm not, I wouldn't be the most compassionate person, I you're would practical. think, but I'm really practical in helping people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you're like, right, this is my issue, I'll be like, this Do is this. how you need to solve She's it. always got yeah. a solution. Yeah. And, but they're always a really good solution truly they are and I for two years after Enzo's birth I that was it I wasn't going to have another one there's no way I'm having that yeah that must have been really frightening to think about getting pregnant again I was absolutely terrified and even the concept of getting pregnant again Um, because when you do suffer with crippling anxiety like this might sound a bit strange but it's a claustrophobic feeling and being pregnant how can I explain it? So when I got did get pregnant with Elle, um, Eleonora is her name, we call it Elle for short, I had actually gone to see my psychiatrist at the time, who perinatal mental health team, which actually every borough does have. Yeah. Um, and I said, look, I'm actually really scared about getting pregnant again because I can't go through I can't go through that again. Like, what are my options? And there were options out there and they, to be fair, were really supportive. But you know what, girls? you just got to put your hand up and yeah. find out that help. Yeah. You've got to go and be your own advocate. How did you first of all get help for after Enzo? Like, how long were you going through that for I mean, I'm lucky that I know a lot about mental health, you know, as a practitioner myself, but also yeah. I've been through it. So I actually, I, I, I knew that I was sinking fast. Yeah. I, I was not enjoying it. I was at my lowest ebb. I was Googling how adoption works. Because I was like, I don't think, I don't think I can even look after this. Yeah, honestly, (laughs) it's not for me. me. Um, I I just thought this baby deserves better. And it wasn't that I I didn't want him. I knew there was like a primal wanting to care for him, but I just wasn't coping. Like, I just... So I actually rang up my doctor who'd helped me many years before and I just said, Look, help me, I, I, I'm a mess, I, I, I can That's feel so the anxiety. so good though that you asked for help because so yeah. many people don't. don't. I know. Yeah. Do you know what, something I've never ever actually said before, but I felt at that time we'd moved back in with my parents because again, I just wasn't coping. My husband, Alex, had no idea what he was doing either, you know, he and he even says now, bless him, he's like, I'm really sorry, I was pretty crap Aww. at that time and I was yeah. like you were actually but you kind of didn't know any different yourself <laughs> do you know what I mean he, yeah. he, well he didn't know what to do and he feels really bad because he my husband's a nutritionist so he was really pro me breastfeeding but actually the breastfeeding was causing more anxiety yeah. mm. because the more anxious I was getting the less milk I was producing I didn't want to feed him I wanted to sleep and then I felt guilty because his dad wants me to breastfeed him and I felt really guilty admitting to my mum and my husband that 
this wonderful journey, yeah. you know, yeah. I got I wasn't enjoying it. And and I'm not negging on my mum here at all because it only came from a place of a love. But I think so many people do get shut down with how they feel. And, you know, there is an argument to say, you know, don't dwell on something necessarily. But again, if someone does want to talk about it, I think it's important to validate it. And, mm. you know, my mum and everybody around me was going, oh, but at least the baby's well. But you're all right now. You've come through yeah. it. And yeah. we know that. It's a given. But it's it sort of then dismisses and makes you feel even more guilty for still feeling a bit rubbish. So essentially, I rang up my doctor. I knew him very well. I'd even written a book previous to that with some of his expertise as well. And I just said, look, I, I know I know my anxiety disorder's come back and I explained it all and he was amazing and we had I sat curled up on the stairs at my parents' house and I had a telephone consultation with him and it was a game changer and you know he taught me through some you know ideal solutions and you know yeah um, ideal solution number one was breastfeeding baby happy mum happy baby that that wasn't working so let's look at the next one down bottle fed baby mum can get sleep past responsibility over so I sort of let go of any of that emotion around breastfeeding happily so straight away yeah Uh, and then he prescribed me some short-term medication which I really needed to climb down off the rafters Um, but I'd say it took me a good year to start to feel like I was truly enjoying motherhood if I'm honest with you a year is a long time, but like, I feel like people are always scared about talking about or going on medication when you actually really need it. But Saved as you me. said, yeah, like me. I, I experienced really, really bad anxiety at the start of this pregnancy. Just stuff going, like, like life was happening and it was really stressful. And like, they, they told me to come off like because I would have my anxiety medication just like, I don't ever take it, but I needed it then. And I was like, right, I have it here. Can I have it? And they're like, you can't take that. And then after not taking it for three months that I that I would have needed it, they were like, oh, you could take the odd one. And I'm like, that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's so, so bad. bad. Yeah. That's really interesting. And I don't, I don't know if, if, you, if you know this, but, but that advice now has been changed. It is still quite controversial. But mm. my experience is second time round. And I'd say one of the biggest questions I get asked from people when I'm just very honest and open about medication, I think there is a place for it. Yeah. As and when, you know, if someone does really need it, but so many people don't know, you know, whether they can or whether they can't. And when, when I did decide to have a second baby mm-hmm. and said, right, if I do this a second time, I'm doing this completely differently. Yeah. You know, this baby ain't coming out the nun for a start. I am not going through that <laughs> at all. I want to be in control. You don't have to be an anxiety sufferer to want to be in control. Um, yeah. But it was a huge part of it. I just wanted every single part of that to be as medicalized and as <laughs> controlled as I possibly can. Well, it takes away the fear takes away the fear and you know what I am completely okay with never having had a sort of hearts and flowers birth experience I think it's amazing and people do it and I, I, I live for those stories far from it some from women feel bad to say they've had great births and I think they shouldn't because actually I love the fact that people have great births but for me my second birth a planned cesarean I knew from 16 weeks the exact date and time and place I was having that baby mind you I had to pay for it it was the only way I could get yeah. it I could actually get it but from that moment on my anxiety completely reduced I enjoyed my second pregnancy I was pretty happy over that pregnancy yeah, I didn't really moan good. didn't it I loved the birth I finished work a week before I had her went in it was best three days of my yeah. life loved it and I, I describe it as beautifully underwhelming it was just how I wanted it <laughs> I didn't even want a playlist and I think because my first birth I gassed it up so much beforehand with the birth plan and the yeah. playlist and you know we're gonna do this we're gonna do that I'm gonna box my placenta encapsulate it you know all of this and because it all went just to absolute toss yeah. and then I hated every minute of it you know it was the worst best day of my life if that makes sense oh he is amazing he's the 
best thing I ever did is my Achilles heel. And I think I actually helicopter parent him more, I think, as a result, because yeah. I feel like Elle had it so much easier. But yeah, second time round, I even went in went going to the operating theatre. I, I loved the image in my head of my consultant was so unasked about the whole thing <laughs> that he sat outside my room reading the Saturday Telegraph, <laughs> right, with his leg. I'll never forget, in his scrubs. My husband was fanning around in the bathroom. I was like, oh, it's all about you. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Hurry up. We were all standing there waiting. We all he went, right, let's go and get the baby. Then we all just walked down to theatre. They went, <laughs> so do you nice. want the playlist? It was the Saturday before Christmas. At that point, I felt really embarrassed to suddenly stick on my Home Alone soundtrack. <laughs> Not even joking, girls. Um, and I was just really embarrassed. It was like 8.30 in the morning. And I was like, what are you listening to? And they're like, absolute radio or whatever. And I went, just... Just leave it on that. If you're all comfortable, <laughs> yeah. I went, let's just get on with it, shall we? So she was born to meatloaf. Oh, nice. <laughs> born to meatloaf, yeah. But it was beautifully underwhelming. And also on the medication front, my consultant psychiatrist at the time said, stay on it. You're on a low-level dose. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. You know, it's fine. You know, new research has, was showing that the if I wanted to breastfeed, it's completely fine as well. It's far better, as she said, our number one goal is a happy mum. And if yeah. that means a happy mum is taking medication, which is so minimal through the breast milk and everything else you have in life, don't change it. And yeah. for me, it was the best course of action. I just feel like in pregnancy, you're told you can't do absolutely anything. anything. Anything and like if I post a picture of a prawn, it's like, are you eating that prawn? <laughs> yes, I am eating that prawn. It's true. It's really frustrating though, yeah. as I like and with medication, just, but just with anything, you're kind of just like a vessel almost, and you're just expected to kind of get on with it. Mm. And then after it happens, you just feel horrific. You do. I hate that term, the baby blues, but like you, you do feel sad and weepy after a couple of weeks. But you obviously would have had that as well. But you suffered from postnatal depression after your first. Yeah, after Dixie. I just think I was so focused on, I had this really nice white leather pram. <laughs> Classic this <laughs> one. I know, I know. Really nice baby clothes. You had that silver clock glass. I know one. it, you yeah. know it, the old one. And yeah. I just had all this nice stuff. And then I didn't really, and I was really focused on my birth. Like I really wanted hypnobirth. I was determined because people used to laugh at me when I spoke about hypnobirthing. She's nearly 12, so it was 12 years ago now. And um, I remember my one of my mother-in-laws at the time. So, she had a harem. <laughs> one of my, my team of mother-in-laws. Two, like a mum and a stepmom. And when I told her I'm going to hypnobirth, she was like, <laughs> you'll be screaming for an epidural. And I was like, no, I won't. No, yeah. I will not. I'll prove you wrong. And I did. I had the most amazing birth. Um, I had her in a birthing pool. I ate Maltesers and Mars bars and... <laughs> It was lovely. She came out in four hours. I didn't oh, even have nice. gas and air. I just, like, it was like Simba. Yeah, you loved birth, I didn't you? I loved giving birth. Yeah. I would go, like, my birth, my first birth was actually pleasurable. Like, I absolutely loved it. It was yeah. completely euphoric, best thing ever in the world. And then I was like, oh, I've got a baby now. I honestly didn't think about what it would be like after having the baby. It was yeah. like the stupidest thing. I was just 23 as well, so I was quite oh, young. Yeah, that is quite young. young. Yeah, I was yeah. quite young. And my mum was living abroad at the time, so my mum was there for a week, and then my ex-husband wasn't great, and he said to my mum, oh, I think you should go, like, you can go now. We want to be a family of three. And I was like, oh, my God, but my mum, I didn't have, I couldn't afford any help at the time, like nanny-wise or anything. So I tried to breastfeed her, really didn't like it, didn't like the feeling of it, just didn't like the t- 
high I felt her, didn't like the frequency of it. She didn't, didn't know you even tried it. Yeah, for two you? weeks. Well, I say that. I get, did give her a bottle in the hospital and then I tried to combi feed and then I was like, what am I doing this for? It's like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. But I always start with those little bottles in the hospital yes. before your milk comes in. And like, I remember p- posting about my hospital bag and they were in the, in oh, the bag. Oh, you got slated. And people were like, like contacting the ASI, saying that I was serious? breaking advertising standards. I'm like, I didn't get paid to put that in my yeah. bag. I was like, that's <laughs> oh, what I really need. Yeah. And then I know, but then like, but then you're, like I was breastfeeding for nine months and I was like, oh, do like you it doesn't, you? I, I worked for me. It's so much easier if you can do it. I really, really, even now I do not like newborn babies. I've gone on to have two more, obviously, <laughs> with nannies. And I've put my hand up first of all. And I, when I first met my husband, I said to him, I remember exactly where we were. We we're driving into London and we were just on Baker Street, about to cross over Oxford Street. And we were talking about kids. And I said, oh, I, I won't ever have any more children. Like, I will not. And he was like, oh, why not? And he's, <laughs> he's Irish. And sometimes the Irish people, they don't, they're not as, they wouldn't be as, they're very much family, look after your own kids. Like yeah. some kids don't go to nursery. You know, when I first sent my middle child to nursery when she was six months old, well, will you not look after yourself? No, I don't want to. Do you know what? It's not that I, I could easily not work. I didn't have to work. I just didn't want to look after her. So yeah. I sent her to nursery. And I have no problem in putting my hands up and saying, I didn't ever want to do night feeds again. And I didn't want to look after them 24-7. Like, I suffer no mum guilt. And I think with Dixie, my postnatal depression was so bad that I remember one day driving, she was just crying. And actually, she was a really good baby. You know, she slept through from eight weeks old. It's give her a bottle you don't at know ten, her at the time, do you? It's give her a bottle yeah. at 10 o'clock at night. She wouldn't wake up till 7. That's amazing. You know, but inadvertently, I sleep trained her. Because yeah. I used to leave her to cry because it's the only way I could cope. Yeah. So I just used to feel, oh my God, I cannot deal. Even now when I hear a baby cry, it makes my, I just, <laughs> I, 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 no, I hate it. I hate that. I cannot stand baby crying. But it's probably crying. triggering. Yeah, I think it triggers me. So I used to have to just go outside in the garden and I'd leave her to cry I'd go back and she'd be asleep and I'd be like, I'll ask it. <laughs> and inadvertently, I'd, I sleep trained her and then from eight weeks old, slept through it. It was brilliant. And then yeah. she never cried. But w- at one point, she must have been about four weeks old and I was driving. She was cre- screaming and screaming and I was so flustered and I was on this country lane and I thought, I, I don't want to actually do this anymore. I just couldn't like right. see the wood for the trees. And I just... But it you're was in a so, fog of like... It was awful. It was the worst experience of my life was having my first child. Like now, she's amazing. I love her. She's nearly 12. Like I literally worship the ground she walks. So I also helicopter parent her. Yeah. I'm very overprotective of her. I always thought maybe it's because me and her dad got divorced that I'm, you know, much more overprotective of her than my other two. But she's amazing. Look, she's not affected by it at all. But I really struggled. And I remember my health visitor giving me like this little quiz to do. Oh, the PHQ. Where they test like your... Has all these questions. I think there's like 34 Mm. questions. And out of 30, I'd like scored the highest. She was like, oh, you're quite bad. And even then, though, I felt there was no support. Yeah. There was no support. It was never, she said, well, you can go to your doctor and get medication. I was always very anti-medication. Mm. I don't know why. But there are so many other things that can be done yeah. as well without just shoving someone on a pill. Yeah. No, you well, I was can. like, I don't want to go on tablets. Had you been depressed before? No, never suffered with the depression. Wow. 
Yeah. Just literally from then. How did you, if you didn't go on tablets, how did you find your way through the, it's like a fog. It's so suffocating. It's like, the only way I can describe it is, you know when you're on an aeroplane and you go in the clouds? Mm. Yeah. That's how I felt. I was just like. you don't come out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're just like walking around in the clouds, like not seeing. The only way that I coped was there was a nursery near me that took them from six weeks old. Yeah. And when she was six weeks old, I sent her to nursery. Yeah. And not full time. I think she went like two or three days a week. And I had to work. Like I was self-employed. I had my own business. And then on the other days, I remember I had like an online retail business where physically I would be stuffing envelopes and processing orders. And I had this big like oak dining room table. I used to put a changing mat on the table. She'd lay there and I'd be like packing all the orders into envelopes. And then I got the business got bigger and I got staff. So everything kind of developed and I really threw myself into work. That was the only way that I coped was to not be around her, was just to have that me time. Yeah. And I never, like I'm always forthcoming and saying, put my hands up, I am a really selfish person. Like I like to do things on my terms, when I want, with who I want. And I really struggled with having a baby that it wasn't on my terms. Because you, yeah. you have to be the most unselfish yeah. person yeah. when and it comes like, to children. Oh, yeah. now I've got to do what you want, even to the point where you can't go to the toilet when you want. Because they might need to be changed or they might need to be fed. So you'll literally be having this baby in your arms thinking, I really need a wee. (laughs) But you can't put that paper down. You have to learn to be selfless, which is really hard for such a selfish person. I'd still say I'm quite selfish now, but I'm better. (laughs) (laughs) I love the honesty. But you you did go on to have two more kids. I did. So how did you... So you left, first of all, when Dixie was six weeks old, she was in nursery, so you felt yeah. more able to. Just having that well, headspace. But as well, like, for new moms, like, you do have to go back to work. And I hate that question. Like, yeah. Well, how long will you take off from maternity leave? Never. It's like, Unless what, you've what? got a typical job. you yeah. Yeah, And our lives now are not like that, you know. The world that we live in now, the jobs that everybody now does and the expectations on women to keep up with men and equality in the workplace, it's still so unequal because of physiologically how mums are made. Like it's just that. And it's really going to be hard to overcome that. And I don't know if we ever will completely be 50-50. I don't, I think, well, when women get pregnant, like I can't imagine having to, like the first 11 weeks are so, you're so drained. Yeah, you're so, so tired. Exhausting. I'm always so sick. And I'm like, how do people go in and do like yeah. nine to five? Yeah, and like exactly. my cousin was like, she said she had to go and just like fall asleep in the bathroom for like 20 minutes. And it's Awful. just doesn't get taken and, into yeah. account. Breastfeeding in the loo yeah. and all of that. And yeah. they're pumping, you know, and yeah. then they go back yeah. to work and women are still trying to breastfeed it's so it's so impossible it's it's so Mm. unique I think as well for every woman depending on what yeah what their needs are whether they physically financially have Mm. to go back to work whether they don't have to whether they want to and I think yeah yeah, there's a lot of stigma around it yeah Louisa you're quite matter of fact about how you felt and like how you got over it was putting Dixie in nursery at six weeks did you ever have like guilt over having to do that or was it just a thing that you needed to do for yourself just had to do it for myself and I think that like, I don't really suffer from mum guilt. I, like, leave my kids happily, knowing that, that my parents live with us. It's the only way that I can live the life that I do. And it's, like, it makes me happy knowing that I can leave the kids. They're really independent. They're not clingy to me. They don't need me. And I don't want to... That's the type of person that I want to raise. I want to raise, like, really independent people that are happy being alone. Like, we're alone so much of our lives sometimes. No, I never really get mum guilt. And even when Dixie was little, my mother-in-law would, you know, when she was about three or four months old, 
my mother-in-law at the time would have her for one night a week for me. Well, because she slept, so she was a really easy baby. But again, that was great. And I had friends at the time who were like, oh, I can't believe you leave your... I'd never leave my baby. And I was like, we don't need to be heroes. We're human. Yeah. We're human. And it's okay to say, do you know what? I'm really tired. I'm going to leave the baby. I'm going to go and have a massage. We yeah. were even mm-hmm. saying We were just earlier, saying today, weren't we? As mums, I think we always caveat it with... I, I was just. I admitted it earlier. I said, even now, I have finally stopped saying, oh, yes, I'm just popping to have like a physio, physio. appointment. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, yeah. I'm just going to go and have a Thai massage, actually, because I, I really actually, want to indulge yeah. in a massage. But you end up saying... Saying, or I do it to my own husband. You're I'm like, apologetic. I'm just having a physio appointment. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'll go husband. home even now yeah. and I'll say, oh, I, I'm just going to go into my room and do my emails. I'm going to have an app. Yes. <laughs> but, um, but, but you can't say it. Yeah. You can't say it. And do you know what? I think there needs to be more people in life that do just, not that we need permission, but it's kind of like we sort of like globally do like yeah. as a gender yeah. we need people to go you take it because you are literally <laughs> yeah. you know it's relentless being a mum is relentless and like what you were saying Lou as well I think that's what hit me when I become a first time mum I don't know about you Vogue but it is it's that immediate overwhelm of yeah. shit this is for life it yeah. is for it's life but it's for not life. stop ever. I don't yeah. know when you get time. you said something about being alone I was like god I don't remember the last time I was alone <laughs> no, I, so I even this morning I left my house at 20 past 7 I didn't need to be in London till quarter to nine it takes me half an hour <laughs> to get to where I needed to be and do you know I went to the train station and I sat in my car for 40 minutes <laughs> oh that's the dream just because I didn't want to be at home with my kids and I think that, I don't know, that is why I just didn't want to be around them and I think it's okay to say that yeah and I love being with my kids and I think as a mum I describe myself as very present when I'm with my children like if I'm with my kids I'm with them I'm not on my phone I'm not doing that I'm playing with them like we're horse riding we're in rivers we're on bike rides I'm a really active present you're always doing stuff with your kids I'm always doing stuff but then I have to have time away from them. And I, yeah. and I can also confirm that because I do see Louisa in many a social situation, a private situation, that her children adore her and she adores them. And yeah. they are, they're the loveliest girls. I they're think so people well brought think up. When you leave your kids, like, they're not going to love you or something. They will always love you. It's, it's not bad to put your kids in crash. It's not yeah. bad to send them to nursery. It's just, or to have a nanny, to have somebody to help or you. To be grandma. Get, or get somebody over yeah. to help you if you're feeling overwhelmed. And I just think women don't do that. And particularly at the start when you're just expecting to be this like super mom you're like Mm. boobs are leaking everywhere you feel terrible you're going through everyone goes through some form of like I hate the word baby blues but that's what it's called but it is and I think for me as well going back to when I did it second time the best advice that I, I nicked from Louisa was so one of my massive triggers which I think for most people but one of my hugest things when I got pregnant is sleep deprivation because yeah. my anxiety is triggered by sleep yeah. deprivation. It really is. Anyone that's been yeah. out on the source the night before... I mean, sleep deprivation get, is a form of it, torture. It, it really Let's is. not yeah. forget that. Exactly. It is torturous having a yeah. newborn baby, yeah. literally. Yeah. And that, um, but the so second time around, I thought, God, well, it's the sleep deprivation that I'm terrified of. Now, obviously, I'm going to have some of it and I am, you know, I've got used to it and I think, and that's fine. But um, I was working as well. That's probably a big part of it. So I still had, uh, wanted, wasn't made to, point that out but wanted to finish uh, I was doing a series of Celebs Go Dating so five weeks after the birth of Elle I love that oh thank you (laughs) thank you so much I had three weeks left to film so it was only maybe 
two or three days filming. But I she wanted was to only do it. five weeks old. She was only five yeah, weeks old, and tiny. I had had a cesarean. I would want to do um, that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. You would. Yeah, I wanted well, to finish my show. Yeah. And also on that show as well, they'd been amazing. They'd really embraced the pregnancy on screen. It had become a bit of part of the storyline. And then, like, Rob Beckett, oh, Anna's off to have her baby. Cut to the next scene. Anna's had her baby. She's yeah. back. Um, but I knew as well, and work were amazing who make the show. And I, they said, look, would you like to come back? I said, I would. But obviously, I have also have, a, at the time, a three and a half year old. Uh, sleep's obviously a big thing. So I thought about it. And when Louisa introduced me to Sleep Nanny, who I had got to know, so I thought she didn't feel as sort of stranger esque because yeah. I knew that she'd had, she'd worked for Louisa. And yeah. so, I, you know, I, I thought, okay, I'll, gi- I'll give her a try. She's called Lisa. So I rang her up and she, she sort of fit us in. So she did three nights a week for us, which initially, well, initially was just going to be while I finished the series. <laughs> Screw that, Vogue. Once once you got that, you're not going to go back. And you know, but again, but, but we apportioned some money for it. Again, we looked at yeah. our finances. And this is what I say to people when, and I don't get me wrong, it is a privilege. It's a massive privilege. And a lot of people can't or won't afford that. And that's absolutely fine. But I also think it's important to look at your life as a whole. And some friends of mine wouldn't think twice about chucking five grand a, a summer holiday for the yeah. and sticking it on the credit card. Well, you know what? To have a night nanny for 12 weeks, I don't even mind telling you, at three nights a week, she costs four thousand pounds. Okay, so for 12 weeks for that, for me. What is she a night? Sorry, I can't 180 a night. 180 a night for three nights a week. So she used to come on a Sunday, Tuesday, and a Thursday. Okay. She even remembers the days. That's so much. Yeah, because because the Friday, Saturday was a back to backer and we were done. I swear to you now. That was the best money I've ever said. I would have gone with that holiday for the rest of my life, truly, to have been able to afford that first 12 weeks of not being gut-wrenchingly sleep-deprived. And guess what? I enjoyed my baby. I enjoyed Mm. my three-and-a-half-year-old. And I I guess what? The biggest thing? I didn't get my postnatal depression again. And I really swear it's because we invested, we ring-fenced that money. Some people would think that's a ludicrous amount of money Mm. to spend. For us, I'd drive the crappiest car in the world if it meant I could have had that again. Really, I would. Think that as a new parent, like it is, or like sleep does kill you. It puts you in, and I have that as well with anxiety. If I don't Mm. sleep, it's worse. But then your anxiety stops you sleeping, and then you, and then it's like it's it's terrible. But um, definitely being able to get some sleep is is like really really helpful, and taking a nap if you can. But uh, anyway, besides so sleep, did you have postnatal depression as well as postnatal anxiety? Yes, I had the oh, whole wow. the whole co- course. I did loads. Course I did. Um, yeah, I did. Yeah, it was. It's quite difficult, I think, to completely pinpoint someone when they are in such a free fall because yeah. everything is so interlinked. You know, anxiety and depression is very interlinked. There was a trauma. It's essentially what what I was experiencing was birth trauma. Yeah. Um, the birth itself was 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 pretty horrible and as a result of of trauma PTSD whatever you want to call it you know your brain does sort of shut down to an extent you know I I don't remember so much of that first year and it and it does sadden me and sometimes I found Alex was um downloading a load of photos onto his laptop the other day and I suddenly saw these birth photos of Enzo and the first six months I don't remember any of it and your brain blocks out trauma basically but yeah postnatal depression postnatal anxiety and birth trauma it was just sort of a cocktail and everything was being treated as as one but it wasn't until I made a film a good couple of years after actually for for the BBC on uh postpartum you said about the Louis Theroux one a bit mm. similar about postpartum psychosis and I went to a mother baby unit and it wasn't until I went into that mother baby unit and I'd been told with hindsight I should have really done a bit of a stint in I was begging to I just needed someone to help me really oh begging uh, yeah and um take and me away take me away <laughs> but it's not till you not till I spent some time in this mother baby unit and I know this sounds a bit 
strange, but I don't know who I was expecting to see in in this. Bearing when I was making a film, there as someone that was that was fully well again. But it was it was just you and me. I, yeah. You know, the the girls in there, the mums in there. It, think it, it was just it. us. Well, they are. You know? They just yeah. there was, no, it's not exactly. a social There was a mum who was that. a teacher. She was a head teacher, mm-hmm. one of the mums, and she'd had the most crippling postpartum psychosis with her little boy. You know, and, and it really made me... I think that's probably why I feel so passionately about it because I know the stigma that comes attached to it and those mm. mums in there, bless them and thank God they were all had the most wonderful care and attention. But, you know, there's only so many spaces. You know, it's actually so, many so nice though to think that like, because it happened to you and mm. when I watched that documentary, I find, I found it really like frightening to see mm. that that could happen to somebody who was just like me yeah. just going about their Normal day person. but then you could go back and you were able to go back and have more kids and you could have more kids Definitely so actually not. you found a way oh you mean no. <laughs> I thought there's no way I'm having anyone else. how did you go back but to having even, two more though well you were, because because I was enjoying it more and getting sleep I had indie loads during the day and I'd take her out everywhere with me yeah. and then I'd come home and hand drive a few hours and then I'd always bath her put her pyjamas on, you know, it doesn't take away any of that from you. You just do as much or as little as you want. But I had such a brilliant time with Indigo. Then five months later, I got pregnant with Clemmie and she was completely planned, totally planned. And I said to Andrew, I don't think I actually need a maternity nanny this time. Like, I've got a lot of support in you. I'll just have Lisa. Yeah. Yeah, Andrew's a really hands-on dad, isn't he? Yeah, he's really good. And so, anyway, I had Clemmie and then I had, I had Lisa, but she'd come at like nine at night. And at that point, I was like, oh, I'm exhausted now. I've had to do like a school run. And I didn't have a nanny. Because you had two more. Yeah, so I had no nanny then. Yeah. Um, but my parent, my mum was really good and they lived with us. But I'd have to do Dixie's school run and pick up. Plus I had a, a 13-month-old and a newborn baby. So it was quite a lot. And all day, it was a lot. Yeah. And so although I had Lisa, I started to fall back into like, I could feel myself falling. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, I do and remember. Anna That's been, when we became friends, Yeah, actually. and then yeah. Anna had been talking. She kept going, will you come on my Breaking Mum and Dad podcast? I was like, no, absolutely not. I'm not coming on your podcast. Stop annoying me. So asking me to come <laughs> on your annoying. podcast. I'm literally like like <laughs> yeah, failing yeah, yeah. at being mum. I was really, really low with Clemmie. Really I bad. I didn't know that. Yeah. And, um, and then I just one day said to Andrew, I don't want to do it. I hate it. Like, I wish I'd never had her. This is awful. And then I got full-time maternity nanny who's nanny Luena who I've just been away with oh, yeah, yeah. and Clemmie had really bad reflux and I remember with like I would say I've never really suffered with anxiety but I remember I wouldn't drive with Clemmie in the car on my own yeah. because Clemmie had such bad reflux and I was worried that she was going to die yeah. and I kept thinking what if she projectile vomits when I'm driving I'm driving she's in the back seat like what like what am I meant to do and I wouldn't drive I didn't drive for like ages because I was worried Clemmie was going to die so maybe in hindsight probably did have sounds a bit yeah, yeah but yeah. when Clemmie was about three months old this TV show wanted me to go and do this TV show for two weeks and I was like yeah great bye and I went and I remember doing this TV show and it was one where you got like voted off anyway I got voted off after about five days I was gutted because I didn't want to go home wow. and I remember saying to production can I not just stay like 
I'll do anything. Like, you want me to do it? Can I just stay? Because I was so, I didn't want to go home. That's quite So I did, I though, stayed on another two days. They let me, Stop. yeah, let me stay. I was like, just mousing about, not even wow. on the TV show. It sounded like some desperate weirdo because I didn't want to go home. I mean, yeah. Oh, and no. even then I had, like, help. Yeah. But, and then with Clemmie, it I just, I've always found that time really is a healer. Mm. And then as time goes on and you find your flow and, you know, you adjust and your life adapts again. And then it was life with three, which is so different having three. And then I did eventually come on Breaking Mum and Dad. And Wore his podcast down. Wore, <laughs> down. Wore me down. And then I loved doing it. And I said, trying, I'd quite like to do a podcast. And then we started our podcast in the September and then really sort of got back to work again because I hadn't yeah. worked for like a period of time because with India I loved kind of not working and enjoying being a mum and then when Clemmie came I was like oh I'm bored now I need to get back to work but I think I think that can make us better parents sometimes I know for me definitely like I, mm. I became a better yeah. mum to Enzo in my head I'd planned to basically take a whole year off you know being a freelancer pff, who, who was I kidding no, yeah. one, no maternity pay no SMP <laughs> or anything like that but I did think oh you know I'll just pick and choose a couple of jobs yeah but actually it was I mean I, to be fair I was in absolute trenches of, of terrible postnatal depression but I do remember 10 days postpartum watching the rain on the telly a show that I normally was on myself yeah. you know doing reporting yeah. and stuff in my dressing gown you know sitting on a rubber ring pretty much you know healing <laughs> yeah, from God. from that old forceps jobby yeah exactly trying to you know with this baby and I do remember sitting <laughs> there <laughs> no you're fine <laughs> we're gonna be there we're gonna hold your I, hands well, I've had two not well, could we be one really nice <laughs> God, you know what I would to, to do that. Spenny's yeah. away this weekend and I said if I have the baby we'll this weekend <laughs> but I actually was you thinking I was like I can't have anyone in with me because I don't like people seeing me in pain I feel really weak I, I was like, Do you yeah, have any pain relief or you just do it? Yes I do I can't oh, wait really? for gas yeah, now I haven't drank in months gas in it. I, I got remember having I was an epidural with Clemmie and gas and air came out. I was in the pool I was floating in and out for about 8 hours and eventually I was like you guys this isn't how I give birth I don't do long labours I think you're going to going to have to give me a C-section. I, I really loved would. my C-section. Yeah, and Clemmie, yeah. I ended up with an epidural, which was great. And then they went in and moved her about a bit so she could then come out. But yeah. that was great. And I, kept, I was like, why didn't I have this before? <laughs> I didn't have time with Indy. She was just <laughs> but like, I think I think grass stunning. always always feels Ep- a bit great. Epidural are stunning. Mm, yeah. um, there is a stigma around this whole subject, especially mental health, anything to do with mental health, but particularly, I think, postnatal mental mm. health because you're meant to be a new mom and be amazing. Is that one of the reasons you two speak so openly about it? Mm, yeah. Well, we're both with gobshites. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> but I think what what was really apparent when talking of that, my other podcast, Breaking Mum and Dad, which was all about, basically started because of my experience of having yeah. such a dreadful time giving birth with Enzo and just kind of going, and almost sort of feeling like I've been fed a bit of a lie. You know, and I also just want to caveat this and say a lot of people have a wonderful birth and don't experience any problems. So please, you know, if you're listening to this, don't look for a problem that if there is, is a one minority, there. That is a minority though. That's but a it minority. Is. Exactly. And I, and I think, well, I know because I remember I had him and I thought, okay, yeah, slightly ropey birth, but 
I've got the support. You know, I come from a family where if we really need to afford something, someone will find it somehow, yeah, somewhere. Yeah. I've got a good husband who's not completely crap. You know, we've, you know, we're, we're okay. So why the frick am I not enjoying this? Why am I sitting here watching Lorraine, yeah. jealous that I'm not <laughs> on that side of the telly? You know, and. And 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 I and I th- and for me it was really important to get back to work and a bit like you after you'd had Clemmy and I absolutely I'm such an advocate now you got to do what's right for you I have some friends yeah. that never have gone back to work they don't want to go back to work they love being a mum some people but just I love really, it but, I wouldn't but, I wouldn't be able but to but this is it some people love it and some I people just love think it but for me it didn't work right for exactly you. exactly yeah. I, without any social pressure I went to what honestly lifted my postnatal depression and I. Or, I felt it. I was he was six weeks old, six seven weeks old, and I'd already had in the diary for months. And you'll know this girl as being freelancers. I'd had a little award ceremony, a little corporate job that I was hosting uh, for a couple of hours in Canary Wharf, and I'd kept it in the diary. And I'd said to our agent, you know, look, I'll have to see how it goes, but get me yeah. a she had a standby cover in case like I couldn't do. It. I said I'd like to see if I could do that. A, I need the money. I'm a freelancer, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and, but let's see if we can do it. And it was in there, and again, I was very much in postnatal depression. But I had healed, you know, from from the from the birth as well. And I remember, and I want I want to do the job, you know. Mum and Alex, you know, were like, "Oh, I don't know if you're well enough to." I thought, "No, I I really want to do this. Like, I'm really missing me. Like, I want to be me. I've been sat indoors for six weeks and not really knowing what I'm doing." And I'll always remember. I remember getting ready, and that was weird. Suddenly getting ready to host an awards do, you know. Um, And then they'd sent a a cab, you know. And I remember getting in the cab, and and Alex was going to my mum. And we're both going to look after the baby. And I and I went off into Canary Wharf. And I remember being in this car. And I just sort of suddenly felt a bit <laughs> relaxed. And it wasn't like, oh, thank God, the baby's not with you. But it was like, it just felt like a little bit of Anna was coming back. Yeah. And it's like I switched my mindset into now. I know I was, I was a bit shaky. I was a bit nervous. But I was working off a script. It wasn't very difficult. Yeah. It was, mm-hmm. and the award is, you know, goes to. And I did a little gig. And then... For me, the best feeling in the world, I remember standing outside this hotel, it was like 9.30 at night, I'd been gone since maybe six, so not long, and for the first time, truly, yeah, you know, but but no, but this, what was so nice for me, is but for for the first time ever in that whole postpartum period, I couldn't wait to get home to see the baby. And it was the first time that I went, that bond's kicking in, that Mm, oxytocin that everyone wangs on about is kicking in. And I, I remember thinking, and the cab was lost, and I remember thinking, Get, and I got a bit sort of like antsy, like, I want to go home to my baby now. Yeah. I want to go home to my baby. Because I sort of had this moment of, oh, I've got Anna back. Yeah. Yes, I've earned a bit of money as well. Brilliant. And I couldn't wait. And I remember I got in that door and it was the first time I literally ran in, picked him up Aww. and genuinely went, oh, God, Aww. I love you. And for me, and that's why I say for me, having the identity of being able to do my job has always made me a better mum. Yeah, yeah, I feel the same. But I think it is important to point out to women because I think everybody has it. You do have that sense of like you do kind of lose yourself when you have a baby. You're, you forget who you yeah. are and what you're doing because people, everything is so focused on the baby for the first mm. while. But I think some people lose themselves and some people find themselves being mm. a mother. Mm. Like I've had friends oh, who... I no, but it's yeah. true. Like I would say, I definitely lose myself when I have a newborn. But I've got friends who really had babies, and now that is their sole purpose in life. And they yeah. will say, "I didn't know who I was until Ooh, I had a baby yeah. and became a mum." And I just think it's it's nice knowing whichever way you go, yeah, that you just do what's right for you. And that's I think that's why I'm so vocal about it. Like I am. So vocal because you know someone saying, will be in your camp. Yeah, yeah. But if you have a baby and you look at that 
that baby and you don't feel a sudden rush of love that the movies tell you to feel completely normal. Absolutely completely normal. You might not love that baby until it's three, six, nine, 12 months old. And every day that you spend with that child, your love will grow for it. But if you don't feel that love immediately, it's completely normal. And it really annoys me that people are like, oh, I just got the baby and then I'm suddenly like the cell protector of this child. <laughs> no, you're not, like, if you don't feel that, that's cool. I didn't feel that. I am. Um, I actually surveyed when I, after I'd had Enzo, because I had this big kind of like crusade. And when I was actually writing Breaking Mum and Dad, the book on, on parenting anxiety, I actually um, forumed 50 new mums so that all had babies within a year. And it was all various people I knew, uh, kind of, anonymously. Yeah. Out of 50 new mums, and I asked them to be completely honest, anonymously. And I and the question was, when you first saw your baby, did you feel that Hollywood gut-wrenching yeah. rush of love? Now, out of that 50, and, the, and I'd say these are a real cross-section of women, some who worked, didn't work, different, uh, all kinds of different demographics, guess how many out of that 50 said yes? How many? Guess. Probably one. One. What? One. It's, no! Yeah. One. What I did feel that, yeah, and that's, so nice. and that's wonderful. So and you, and you, and and that is so wonderful. Honestly, yeah. Vogue, I think it's bloody wonderful. That's amazing. But, one, and that's just my own research out of fifty women. Honestly, just one you're in it. such a minority. Yeah. Genuinely saying that. Maybe I'm just so delighted not to be pregnant anymore. <laughs> I mean, I hate being <laughs> yes, pregnant. Yes, yes. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did feel yeah. that more with Elle, to be honest. Yeah, um, but it was just a different experience. Do you two ever get backlash about because you speak? So, I love how openly both of you speak. But do you ever get backlash? because of it I'd say I get a lot more backlash than <laughs> yeah. Anna does yeah, you don't really, really get no. I think because you're qualified as well like Anna is qualified to speak on mental health and like well, literally hey. she's got the papers and stuff I've got, got, um, yeah. got the ologies whereas <laughs> I yeah I, I do get a lot of backlash it doesn't bother me because the backlash that I get publicly, I will have so many private messages thanking me yeah. and just saying thanks for making me feel normal. Like, you know, maybe I didn't... Well, I that's remember. one of the reasons I love following you, though. I just think that you're so open and honest about yeah. everything. And I think it's important to be like that. And like, life isn't a... a I didn't bond till Dixie till she was one. I mm. remember coming in from work. She was probably about 13 months old. And she then was at full-time nursery get in and um, I came in from work at about uh, six o'clock and my mum my mum was over my mum used to live abroad and Dixie came running towards me mummy 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 and I said hi dad she said hi mama like that my kids have all spoken since they were one yeah. I only found out this week that's really strange for kids to talk that early <laughs> and I just thought they all spoke when they were one I was like, hi, Dan, did you have a nice day? Yes, mummy. I said, what did you do? Painting, drawing, playing. And it was at that moment, and she was walking and talking when I thought, God, I love you. Like yeah. my little munchkin, like I just mm. love you so much. And honestly, she was 13 months old yeah. until I felt that overwhelming rush of love. With Indy, it came a lot sooner. She was probably a month. And with Clemmy, I'd say she was four months. Yeah. So like, it, and it just changes every yeah. every child I think, you have. I agree. And I think to answer your question about any backlash, I think this is the, probably the therapist to me, but I think anyone that, wants to give backlash I think perhaps needs to look at themselves as to where that perhaps comes from mm. I think 
in life we all judge people. We're all judgmental. Do it privately, would you? Do it privately, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think just don't, Lord, I just Louisa don't and I, I think, turned off my DMs think, now. <laughs> yeah, but I think it, it comes down to. I mean, Louisa and I, we're, we're very different, but also we have a lot of similarities. But I think it's fair to say that we're both very resilient. We're both pretty yeah. content with our lot in life, and mm. we're quite Teflon to just own how we feel and what our experiences are, whatever comes with that. And I think I know so much of being in that that sphere of feeling at rock bottom that someone wants to challenge me on it, I welcome it. Yeah. Truly. Anna, come on then. Come on then. Come on then. Well, I think you it, want to challenge me? Come on. <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe you two can give people advice who are sitting there just thinking to themselves, that's me, that's how I'm feeling now. What advice we from got each you. of you? We got you, Mama. I mean, I, I, yeah. I, would, I would honestly say don't measure yourself against anyone else take advice if you want it but ask for the advice and if someone forces advice on you politely tell them to shut up and stick their nose (laughs) elsewhere um it's about just recognizing that it's your experience and I think all three of us we have such we're all three very different mums and yeah Mm. I think what bonds us all and unites us all is that we all clearly love our children but we've all got very different experiences we have different cultural um sides of our of the way we bring up bring our children and I think it's having that conviction just to own it and I do think you know you do know best as that parent go with your instinct because you're doing what works for you and what works for your children and like you say Lou yeah maybe people do give you backlash because you decided to put your children, you know, Dixie yeah. Nursery. But it worked for you at the time. Well, it made and you know me what? a better mum. And it makes you a better mum. And you have three children who adore you and you adore them. And that worked for you. Yeah. For me, my birth choices, second time round, it works for me. I'm a great mum. I know I'm a good mum. I love my kids. Best thing I've ever done in my life. But I equally know what makes me a good mum. And that is by making certain choices. And the same with you, Vogue. You know, yeah. you, you have the way you parent. Mm. And it got you through your postnatal depression. Big and all time. That, and I is... think as well, people are listening and they're kind of identifying identifying with some of the feelings that we've said for me it's always been to practically I'm a real practical problem solver and I would see it as a problem so I just think do identify what makes you feel better so for me it was being apart from the children it was having my own space for somebody else it might be going and seeing a therapist and talking through it for somebody else it might be going on medication to to help ease out those feelings but identify for you what helps you feel better and do more of it. And the more you do of that and the more you find yourself, you'll start feeling like, oh, okay, this is okay. This works for me. I'm feeling better. I'm not, I felt like this yesterday and I don't feel like it today. But to really practically solve it, it kills me to think that some mums are just there, like not knowing where to go or what way to turn. I yeah. still think it's hard to identify what way to turn. There is help out there, though, for everybody. There, there, yeah. there is. And I think it's, I mean, w- working within the, the mental health arena, you know, to identify if perhaps you do need that extra help, you know, mental support is identifying if the feelings you're feeling, I think it's, we were talking about this on the pod earlier on, it's a very different experience. You know, we are all supposed to have ups and downs. We are supposed to feel. We yeah. are supposed to feel sad because if we didn't feel sad or happy or excited or this, we just be very numb in life so it's important to recognize that that is okay you don't suddenly have to be terrified you've got pnd or post anxiety or trauma just because you're having a rough couple of days however if that feeling is prolonged and it doesn't ease and it is making you feel like your life is limited in some way or your bond to your child or whatever if you're just not feeling right do reach out and do talk to your midwife or your health visitor if you don't feel that they're very forthcoming 
do keep knocking on the door and ask your GP for someone that is specifically trained in mental health. And that yeah. way, and, and I will also say you can self-refer, anyone can self-refer themselves to your local perinatal mental health community. Perinatal one is the very yeah, important one. Very, very yeah. important. And they look up to you, uh, look after you um, up to a year after you've given birth as well. And yeah. my perinatal team were amazing in Hertfordshire, absolutely wonderful. Big up Dr. Cohen. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, when I got a year postpartum, this is all through pandemic as well, checked in on me they they offered all kinds That's of different so services they were amazing. amazing all the way through it um they assigned a mental health health visitor as well just to check i got, didn't have any Is pressure after l after l yeah even because they had a private because i was on the system yeah but you so that was nhs as well so yes it's all experience. nhs no no that that is nhs every single borough has a perinatal mental health community team and you can self-refer you don't have to wait for your midwife or your gp too for me they offered psychology uh, psychologist appointments if i needed it to work on flash backs just support with birth choices they were my advocate as well for a plan I could have had an NHS planned as well it just happened the timing of Elle being due at Christmas I, I ended up doing privately yeah she did I was <laughs> like I'm paying I was like why would you yeah. do that <laughs> but they were but they were very supportive but they can help be your advocate and I think yeah. again that's really important with mental health because you don't really know sometimes what to do they can help be there in those appointments with mm. consultants and obstetricians to say no 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 this is what this lady Need so I would really recommend anyone do that, and they were great. Yeah, they signed me off a year later, and it was a big fanfare. If she didn't get postnatal depression Woo! again, our job is done. You know, and and it was great. It was a great service. That's amazing. Well, girls, thank you so much. That was a Thanks. great chat. Thank we you. Very you honest much. and open. <laughs> a, little, a little too honest Thanks always. Like, God, we, I've got to go and have a baby soon. <laughs> Yay. Oh, All we need to do to finish this episode off is work out when you would like a surf the birth. Yeah. Um, when you'd like to milk. I'll go down the, the, I'll go down the, uh, the business end if you like. Louisa top. can do what's that what's I bet that weird talk as well. you do imagine no, what you'll be you like do the weird talk <laughs> well thank you oh, girls thank you and good luck with the baby yeah, thank you okay absolutely amazing I would like to thank both of you so much for appearing on Taboo Talk to discuss such an important topic I'm sure you've reassured so many people who will have been feeling scared and a little bit alone so thank you for being so open and honest and for giving such great advice I'd like to say again to our listeners that if you have been affected by anything you've heard in today's episode and would like some more information or support please contact your GP health visitor or midwife you can also visit the Boots Health Hub online where you can find on-demand talking therapy via the support support room service as well as options for depression and anxiety support by the Boots online doctor eligibility criteria and charges do apply there are also resources in this episode show notes if you've enjoyed this episode please do remember to rate review and subscribe it really helps to spread the word thanks again until next time goodbye